Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Now, folks, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 8, and we're going to talk about the relationship with Christ. Now, we have been going through in our morning message series through the Upper Room Discourse, Uh, with regards to Jesus really giving his instructions to his followers, to his disciples, knowing that he was going to depart from them. And he didn't want them anxious. He didn't want them panicking because he was no longer going to be there. And so he wanted to reiterate to them that they were not going to be alone. And I thought that this would be a really good series for you and I to go through because I'll be honest with you, that's probably the biggest struggle I have in my relationship with Christ is is the feelings of loneliness as we face the things that we face in this world. The feelings of wondering if Jesus is going to help us through this. Is he going to know what's going on? Is he going to be there for us? And so what I would like us to do today is as we continue on we're up to chapter 15 now we're going to look at the first eight verses and really what we've seen Jesus doing we start off in chapter 13 he gave us a new commandment that you love one another basically you're not alone because we have each other then he went on into again the latter part of 13 into 14 telling us about the promised one the other helper the comforter the one who will come alongside the Holy Spirit. Again, letting us know he will always be with us, that we're not alone. Well, today we're going to focus on really a discussion that he had is probably when they left the upper room as they were heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, probably seeing the vineyards there, used an illustration of the vine, a grapevine. And what he was wanting to illustrate with them is the reality of the relationship that you and I, that they had, that we have with Jesus. And I find that that really is where a lot of us struggle, is that we don't really understand the relationship that we have with Christ. There's really so much misinformation that's out there about whether or not you're having a vibrant relationship with Christ. One of the most insidious lies that's out there that really I find that a lot of Christians in some way or another have bought is really the whole aspect of the prosperity theology that God wants to bless you and you are blessed by either being healthy or wealthy. Now some of you are saying, well obviously I'm not being blessed because my wallet isn't growing, George. Well, see, this is the reality. It's, it's really a lie. Because most of us, when we look at our lives, we look at our lives and we see not what we would consider blessing materially, but what we would see is struggles, difficulties. But then we think that's abnormal. And then that leads us to question 
Does God love me? Does he care for me? Is he even around? And I think this is why these eight verses in John 15 are so powerful because it really talks about the relationship that you and I need to be aware of that we have with Jesus and why it is so important for you and I to see that. And when you understand the relationship, you will realize that you're not alone. You are never alone. Even in the midst of the struggles, you're never alone. So, I want you to notice with me. Let's start off. It's, it's a very familiar passage for some of you. I know when I was a, a young believer in Christ, I memorized these eight verses. And even still now, later, I, I'm just learning the depths of its meaning. But there's a lot of truth here. So notice with me, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Wow, what a wonderful passage of Scripture, folks. A wonderful passage that communicates so much truth that really reflects on the reality of the relationship that you and I have with Jesus. A reality that you and I need to grasp and understand that will help us to realize as we go about our lives, even in these really times of turmoil that we're in, we will realize that we're not alone. We've never been alone. If you know Jesus, you're a part of a wonderful relationship with him even though he's not here you're a part of a wonderful relationship so what we're going to do is is we're going to really take this these eight verses and we're going to basically divide it up into two sections we're going to look at the basis of the relationship we're going to see that in verse one and then we're going to see the nature of the relationship well, in order to understand the relationship, you've got to understand the basis. Why is it that we have this relationship? And then we're going to see what comes out of this. What, what, what is the nature of, what, what is the benefit of this relationship? What is the focus of this relationship? And we're going to see that as we go along here together. So let's start with verse 1. Verse 1, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. The old King James would say, my father is the husbandman. 
Some other translations would say, my father is the gardener. So we understand what's going on here. He's using the vine, and the illustration of the vine as it brings nurture to the branches, and the heavenly father is really the one who cares for the vine in total. So let's talk about the reality here. A couple things I want you to see here. First of all, Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan for his people. Notice what he says, I am the true vine. Now, what does that reflect? That reflects here that obviously he's wanting them to understand something, and for the Jewish listener of that time, they would immediately grasp it, because in what we would call the Old Testament, the prophets would say that the vine of God was Israel. But we've seen through Jesus' parables that rather than producing good fruit, Israel produced bad fruit, sour grapes. It produced what was wrong. And so it was not truly the vine that it should be. Here comes Jesus and he says, in their understanding, I am the fulfillment of God's plan for his people. I am the vine. Here's the reality. So here's the thing I want you to see. So when we talk about the basis of our relationship, you've got to grasp this one. The basis of our relationship with God is not you. It's not you. How many times do we go there? We think it's me. Oh, you know, I'd have a better relationship with the Lord, but I messed up here. This is what happened these years ago. This is what I did yesterday. Look, your basis of your relationship isn't you. The basis of the relationship is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of God's plan for the people. He's the fulfillment. And then what you see now is, again, it takes the monkey off of our back because so many of us think in terms of what I must do for my relationship with Jesus Look at what the passage says. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, the husbandman, the gardener. Here's the reality. God prunes us in order to produce more fruit. He prunes us in order to produce more fruit. We see that. The reality is, is that he is the one who cultivates us. God the Father cultivates the relationship between Jesus and believers. He's the one who does that. It's not you. You're not cultivating the relationship with him. You can't cultivate it. He cultivates it. God is the one who cultivates it. He cultivates our relationship with Christ. Doesn't that really take a lot of pressure off of you? We think in terms of what I must do, what I must do, what I must do, but the reality is, look, you're just a branch abiding in the vine. And the one who cultivates that relationship between Christ and ourselves is God the Father. He cultivates the relationship between Jesus and believers. That, that, that's the reality, folks. That's, that's what you and I need to see. Now, 
that brings us then to verses 2 through 8. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our times. This is where we're going to understand what the nature of that relationship is. This is where we're going to understand the reality of Christ in our lives and, and the relationship that we have with you. We already see that he's the ultimate plan for you and I. It's based on him, not us. It's God the Father who cultivates that relationship that we have with him. Now we're going to see what that relationship actually is. And so here's the first one. And this smacks right in the face of this whole issue of God wanting you to be blessed and healthy and wealthy, wants you to be happy. Everything's supposed to be perfect for you as a Christian because what we see immediately is, look at me, with me in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. He prunes. Now, does everybody understand what pruning is? Pruning is the cutting away. Cutting away of that which is not to be there on a plant in order for the plant to be healthy. God does that to you and I. He prunes us. How does he prune us, folks? He prunes us through the difficult circumstances that we face because he's trying to produce fruit in our lives. Now, when you say fruit, what do you mean by that, George? Well, you know, I used to hear a preacher years ago say that fruit was the people that we led to Jesus. And I've never been a real good fruit bearer. Actually, folks, I think that's a pretty wrong interpretation. You may argue with me on that. Nowhere in the scripture does it talk about fruit being the people that we bring to Christ. Rather, it does talk about the fruit that your life produces through the work of the Holy Spirit. For instance, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is what our lives are to produce, folks, a Christ-likeness in, in so many different ways. And, and how do we get there? Well, God prunes us. Now, what does that mean? He, he brings the difficulties in our lives. He cuts away things in our lives through the difficulties that we face. Now, does anybody understand that? So when you're going through a problem, and right now a lot of us are going through issues, it's not abnormal. It's a part of our lives. And God uses them to prune us, to mold us, to produce fruit in our lives. Fruit that will glorify him. We'll see that a little bit later. Now, he goes on, and just so you understand, he, he says to his believers, look with me at verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, what's he getting at here? So when he says the Father prunes us, he says, oh, well, it must mean that God's using this stuff that we're going through to clean us up. Now, he's not using whatever it is that you're going through to clean you up, folks. Jesus says you're already clean. 
What does that mean? Well, believers have been cleansed by Jesus. Notice what he says there in in verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You and I are cleansed because we believe that word, the gospel, that Jesus died for us and gave us life. That's how we're cleansed. It's not through the difficulties that we go through. Don't ever let anybody tell you, oh, you're going through this because of this stuff in your life. No, no, that's that's not reality. It might be a consequence, yes. But it's not to cleanse you. What cleanses you is Jesus. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is the one who cleanses us by his blood, by his sacrifice. That is the nature of the relationship. So God prunes us, and believers have been cleansed by Jesus. Here's the third thing I want you to see. The relationship with Jesus is the basis of a believer's life. So the whole essence of who you are as a Christian, listen to me, isn't how often you go to church, what Bible you carry, where you go to church, how much you give, how much you do this, how often you're there. That's not the basis of the Christian life. How often you have your devotions. How often you say, I love you, Jesus. That's not the basis. The basis of the relationship that you and I have is Jesus. How can I say that? Well, look with me at verse 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Look, you want to become more like Jesus? The only way to become more like Jesus is to be in a relationship with him because it's when you and I are in that relationship that he's able to produce the fruit. You can't do it on your own. How many have tried and failed? Can't do it on your own. In fact, that's what he's saying here in verse 5. For without me, you can do nothing. It's all about the relationship. It's all about the reality of you and Jesus. But then he kind of makes another point here for you and I to understand that when we talk about the relationship, not everybody's in it. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Here's the reality I want you to see here. It's a reflective of the relationship. Hopefully you and I are in that relationship, but there are those, I hate to say it, who come to church who are not in that relationship. And, And here's the reality. Not everyone is a part of God's family. We live in a world today, especially in America, where we like to say that everyone who says they prayed a prayer or or they got baptized or they say they're a Christian, they're a Christian. That's not true. There are so many scriptures that tell you otherwise. I'll, I'll give you some of them right now. 
So when we look at this, think about what Jesus said in Matthew. Actually, Matthew chapter 7, it's actually very similar to what we're talking about here in John 15. Here's what Jesus said. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep clothing, because inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So he's talking about false prophets. Now he's talking about false brethren here. You will know them by their fruits. Oh, isn't that interesting, fruits? You'll know them by what their life produces. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear fruit, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Sounds like verse 6 of John 15, right? Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Now here he goes one step further. Verse 21 not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? They went out from us. He goes on in verse 23 and says, Depart from me, I never knew you. That's the reality here. These folks thought they were apart, but they weren't. In fact, this is what John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For, they, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that, they, that none of them were of us. See, here's the reality. The relationship with Jesus, it produces fruit. But if you aren't in that relationship, no matter if you do come to church or not, you're not a part of it. You never have been. So many are walking away. And ultimately their doom is an eternal doom. But you and I, who know Jesus... We're in that relationship. And so here's what I want you to see. It's really a powerful point. Look with me at verse 7 now. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Wonderful verse. Can I be honest with you? It's a verse that is tragically misquoted, thinking that Jesus will give us whatever we want. And so we get upset when he doesn't do that. Here's what he's saying. Look with me, verse 7. If you abide in me, and then notice what he says, and my words abide in you. Now, what does that mean, my words abide in you? That's basically you are allowing God's word to direct your life. Then you will ask what you want, and it will be given to you. Here's what I want you to see. The relationship rooted in God's word, sees answered prayer. If you and I are in this relationship with Jesus and we're abiding in him and he's producing fruit, it's because we are abiding in his word. And when we do that, 
that will guide us in how we pray. And when we pray in accordance with what he wants, in accordance with his word, because our relationship is rooted in it, we will see the answered prayer because we understand. And it causes us to live our lives the way that we should. There's one final thing I want you to see here. The believer's life brings glory to God. Look with me, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The believer's life brings glory to God. See, this is why it's all taking place. This is why Jesus came, to reconcile us into the relationship with him. And then he is the one who cultivates our relationship. He takes delight in our relationship. Isn't that what Psalm 37 says? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. And it's through our lives, because we're bearing fruit, because we are becoming the people that God wants us to be, even in the midst of all of the crises that we're going through, that we bring glory to God. We are glorified because of Jesus. There's a song that, uh, you know, I, I listen to, on my uh, smartphone to um, praise, praise and worship channel on one of the apps that I listen to. And I think the song is, you get the glory from this. And the guy is, what he's singing about is all the difficulties and struggles that he's going through. And then in the song, because of the difficulties and the struggles, he says, Lord, you get the glory from this. You get the glory from this. That's really what the issue is. You know, we're in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a difficulty. You wonder if God is there. Does he care? Yes, he is there. He's provided for us. We can't go on in our Christian life without him, so we're never alone. And as we go through this life, as he uses life to prune us, to produce the fruit in our lives, God gets the glory from this. He gets the glory. You say, okay, George, what, what do we do with this? The reality of the relationship. What do we do with this? Well, here, here's the reality. You have to see the bigger picture of your faith. So many of us, and I include myself in this, really have a small view of our Christian lives. We think in terms of what we want, what we want to accomplish, our ambitions, it really has nothing to do with any of that. It's what he wants for our lives. It's what he wants to do in our lives. That, that's what's important to him. He really couldn't care less about any of the other stuff. I mean, yes, he does care about you and the things that you desire and motivate, but he's ultimately concerned about the ultimate good of your life, not what you think is good for you. I mean, I mean, folks, I'm, I'm old enough now to realize that a lot of things that I think are good for me are not good for me. God knows that. So you have to start seeing the bigger picture of your faith. You have to start cultivating. Well, you can't cultivate it. You have to rest in, abide in the relationship that you have with Jesus. 
and allow God to cultivate it and allow God to produce in your life the fruit, the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits that reflect who you truly are in Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.